Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. It's a little bit different insofar as it's coming out on Christmas Day. So if you're into that sort of thing and you celebrate Christmas, happy Christmas. If you don't, I hope you just got a nice day off. Um, So this week, we're going to be joined by Beth Hart. She is the founder the owner of Sutured Specimens. Now, um, it's, a, it's an odd concept if you haven't heard of this before, but Beth is, to my knowledge anyway at least, the world's first vegan taxidermist. Um, that's exactly right. You heard me right. She's a vegan taxidermist. Um, she makes incredible um, uh, creations uh, through through sewing craft um, that hark back to a time of, of taxidermy, the kind of, uh, if you like, the the macabre in a way, but the curious, uh, odd artifacts, all kinds of wonderful things, wonderful creations. Um, so without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Beth Hart from Sutured Specimens. Well, it's, it's been a long journey. I only became full vegan um, in this year's um, Veganuary. Um, so I really started thinking about it what, really from, from birth, really, I suppose, the hypocrisy of, of you know, some animals are more important than others um, started um, really when I, I was born in Greenland. So, um, you know, the the animals there over here we consider you know seals to be not for human consumption but cows are okay um, so living in England having you know some animals being more important than others and you know it's okay to eat the eggs of, of animals but not the you know the, the eggs of other animals and oh just all of that really um, when I was growing up, uh, I became vegetarian when I was a teenager, um, on and off, and then, you know, slowly over the, uh, I went back to full meat eating, um, and in my family it was quite a big, you know, meat was quite important, um, all the big family occasions, you know, my dad would have a big, a big turkey or a big, you know, whatever the meat was and in our family I guess um, I've got three brothers and a sister so my brothers it was who could eat the most and you know it was very much you know tradition and, and stuff but I suppose as I've got older and older the, I've sort of slowly stopped eating more and more meat and then to the point where I wasn't really eating any um, so Two years ago, I became vegetarian um, completely, and then this year the, the natural progression was to go full veggie, uh, full vegan rather. So yeah, that's where where I am today. Um, so almost ready to celebrate my first <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I'm really intrigued going going right back to your sort of the origin of that that thinking when you were back in, in Greenland. And and how so how long were you, were you were you there before you moved to the UK? Well I was only there until I was three. Um right, but we'd right. we'd go my dad worked over there so he'd we'd okay. we'd go back there, you know, if, if my dad was having to work Christmas, we'd we'd go over there with him, um or if he had to work our summer holidays, we'd we'd go over in our summer holidays. Uh, so that we didn't miss the big holidays with him. Um, so, yeah, but so we'd we'd go there and um, we'd make things out of seal skin or, you know, that sort of craft where you'd make stuff out of 
uh, reindeer horn and then you'd come back to England and you'd talk about it and people would start getting upset about that, you know, whilst wearing their leather shoes. Um, so that's that sort of hypocrisy. I didn't really understand as a child, but I, I guess I saw it from the other side and I'd, I'd eat anything, you know, seal or whale or, and couldn't understand why somebody would, would eat cow but not seal. <laughs> um, until I've gone completely the other way now, um, as I've realised that, you know, just because it's an animal, they're just as important, you know. Well, I think you're absolutely right, and it's a fascinating like, route into the world of veganism, that, that kind of initial seed being sown way back then, from the point of view of, you know, there's almost, uh, it's almost more logical to to have you know no no particular discrimination you see all animals as a resource yeah um and and that's it's fascinating to put it like that because i've not necessarily heard anyone describe it in those terms so well it's it's more i think um more more like real life over there i guess because you don't farm animals um you hunt animals so you see the 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 abattoir situation that you wouldn't hear <laughs> you know you don't there isn't any abattoirs there's no you know there's no butchery except what's done in front of you you know it's not it's not hidden away I guess so it's um it's a lot more real um and you know what you're eating in, in a way did you know, and I appreciate these are sort of you know formative years, and and but as you reflect back, in in a way, do you think that in in cultures where you know animals aren't like you say farmed but are hunted, part of the part of the sort of the ecosystem, if you like, humans are kind of almost part of that that ecosystem as opposed to trying to rule it. Um, would you? you almost say that there's a there's more of a more of a respect or at least a connection with what that what you're doing you know what the end product is absolutely and um you don't you know you don't um you respect your resources i suppose if you're if you're treating animals as a resource um because if you haven't um oh i don't know how to, to put it but i guess um, so one of the things with, with um, banning seal fur, for example, um, the Greenlandics used to go out and kill a seal and then they'd sell the fur to the Danes or to English um, and eat the meat. Um, as soon as we banned seal fur, the, Danes, uh, the Greenlandics were then having to kill twice as much so that they could sell meat as well as eat meat. Um, so where we think, you know, oh, we shouldn't have seal fur, um, obviously cow fur is okay <laughs> for some strange reason. Um, so it, it actually is detrimental um, and what is the main problem is is the mass hunting and you know the the big scale fishing and hunting not the individual hunters it makes makes perfect sense it's, it's almost like the 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 disconnection between that the sort of the natural world is is a larger problem if you like than than just the using animals as resources yeah. you know they're, they're kind of they're, they're both hand in hand obviously and both both problematic for, for yeah, us vegan obviously. folks but <laughs> <laughs> but um but but almost you know one is completely out of step with the natural world absolutely it's it's the whole um you know by the time it's become packaged and breaded and packaged and you can't even see what it is you certainly don't know how it got there um, so you don't, you, yeah, you don't, you don't associate it with the living animal anymore. Um, whereas 
somewhere that's a lot more um, raw um, or you you know where there's hunters <laughs> still going out to to get to get the meat for the family then you you respect it and you know where it came from um, obviously we don't need to do that anymore <laughs> um, yeah and in the in the you know fast forwarding back to to where where you're at now you know has this kind of like journey of the last year been one where you've really kind of reflected back on all of those those moments and the things that you've seen and it's kind of a joining the dots looking backwards almost moment for absolutely, you absolutely absolutely yeah no um it's it's been a long process of of you know becoming vegetarian to vegan and sort of and only been a year um but there's no way that i could consider going back now um the the idea of you know cheese being too tasty to give up seems ridiculous now a hundred percent absolutely and and how about with you know the relationships with the with the family and so on you know you, you describe a pretty typical uh, you know, th three brothers in the family, meat-heavy diets, almost competitive sport yeah. of how much meat <laughs> can you eat, you know, that those kind of things. Like, well, How's that evolved? Yeah, well, the, interestingly, um, my older brother um, has married a vegetarian and uh, so he's become vegetarian. He was really the first um, long-term should we say <laughs> vegetarian um and most of us now um have cut certainly cut down on the meat um mostly for um the, for the environment um as a whole and you know the, the cowspiracy um but but yeah no it's certainly not um, I think it's probably something my my dad misses um, having us all round um, for that part of the tradition. Um, it, I don't think it's quite the same carving up a, a mushroom Wellington, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting actually, isn't it? When you when you put it in those terms, because they they are so you know these kind of rituals are so um, you know in, intrinsic to our upbringings our childhoods our sort of family dynamics so it's you know whilst we we may have like talking about your experiences in greenland lost touch with uh, uh our kind of um natural world if you like our our connection is sort of as humans is often rooted in that uh, sharing of food and particularly around things like a you know a sunday a sunday roast or whatever so now, this time of year, I imagine, is always one where uh, you know, families always have a bit of a, a challenge where they've got yeah. a, <laughs> one of us sort of bloody vegans in, the, in, in their midst, you know. Yeah, um, yeah my mum's my, my never been a big meat eater, though, so, um, so she's always been quite flexible with her cooking. So, um, but, but traditions are... are Sort of hard to change but when you look at the at what they're based on you know i think um that's probably something that that mixes into my into my work is the the traditions and having to tra change traditions to be vegan friendly you know the the historical uh, artifacts and and you know for example, a lot of the stuff in Greenland was, like I was saying, made out of, of animal parts, whether that's horn or fur or, you know, um, bone. Um, so, so. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to get into that, mm. like the world of of taxidermy. Like when, when was was this a, was it, was there a, a passion that that or, a, or a, a you know some sort of appreciation for for it as a as some kind of art form or you know wh wh where did it come from this this uh 
this interest in it and then this this uh, flipping into the world of veganism which i just think is an amazing idea <laughs> well um my grandmother was a taxidermist um and my aunt is um but really i'm i'm very intrigued by you know curiosities and curiosity cabinets and and you know unusual things that people have collected in the past and 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 the idea of having to give all of that up in the same way as having to give up the traditional Christmas roast um, there's always something you can replace it with and and make new traditions um, so my um, what I tried to do is hold on to to the curious um, objects and strange little things that 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 you might find in a curiosity cabinet, but make it so that it's it's vegan friendly and you know, um, yeah. I think just the strange objects that you'd want to find, but made for modern day living. <laughs> And how about the the sort of the the skill set the the sewing of it? Because I suppose that you know, like, understandably, taxidermy is a very different skill yeah. to what to what you do. Um, but 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 equally, you know, uh, you know, not an easy one to master. So you know, where where did where did that come from? Was that a separate sort of entity, and you you all of this started to culminate? Um, yeah. So um, my mum taught us to sew um, when we were very young um, I, I think I was using a sewing machine when I was sort of six I think five or six me and my cousin were learning together um, so sewing has been in my family um, and yeah just growing up sewing making things we'd we'd always go out and see things like we'd go to a craft fair or um, go to the shops and we'd see something we'd want and my mum would say, oh, we could make that. So then we'd go and buy the materials or find um, an old pair of curtains. <laughs> and then we'd go home and we'd cobble something together that wasn't, wasn't anything like the original that we wanted. <laughs> um, but as, as you get better and better at these things, they, they finally become more like you want. Um, and I think that's, that's how I make each of my each of my objects is you start off looking at something and you make it and it's not quite right so you make it again and and each time you make it it becomes closer to, to what you want and then finally you get something that that's that's close enough <laughs> that has the feel that you want yeah so it's it's sort of a pattern cutting skill I guess that um, that I've developed throughout the years from from making all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. So where, where did when did they sort of the two worlds converge? You know, this this love, passion, and skill for for sewing and and craft, and then the kind of like I could turn this into in you know these into sort of vegan taxidermy or the these kind of creations yeah I, and when, when did the two kind of the two worlds collide i wanted to make my um one of my cousins a uh, skull doorstop um he's a, a tattooist and a skull doorstop was exactly what i wanted to make him so um with only a couple of hours to spare i tried to make him a present um and it was so not the shape of a skull that I couldn't give it to him <laughs> so um, then I I tried again and I tried again and then I had something that was um, was vaguely skull shaped so I was doing a pop-up shop and at the time I was making hats um, and little fascinators um, so I, I put some of these skulls in in this pop-up shop I think it was a Christmas pop-up shop and they all sold. Um, and then um, after a few months, I was invited into a, um, to do an exhibition. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll make 
more skulls, but I'll, I'll make a better pattern. Um, so I made a, a better pattern and decorated them all with um, with words that people used to describe people in the olden days, like um, words like tatterdemalion and um, dan. Uh, oh, dandy prat was another word, and you know all these old old-fashioned words. And then I decorated all these skulls in in different. Um, in different ways depending on the word um, and then and then somebody said oh would you be able to make a, a vertebrae to go with the with the skulls and then from then on you know I started making animal skulls and 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 then I started making other curiosities like um, human hearts and things and um, and now I've got too many ideas and not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna come on to that at some point about the time. Mm. Is that I, I can, uh, I can only imagine the the time and and love and care that goes into any single one of these. Mm. Yeah. So is it is it is it you know as I, as I'd imagine it to be quite a quite a dedicated kind of thing to do just to produce one. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> it really is. Um, the the real length of time is in in the designing of the pattern um in the first place and once you've got the pattern you can then carry on and make more um but still each one ends up being just slightly different from the others because it's it's all handmade and um a lot of it has, is hand stitched as well although quite a lot can be done on the machine um depending on the piece um other pieces I, I use um, a machine embroiderer for um, and yeah so lots of love goes into each piece yeah and amazing to hear they're sort of all, all you know, as, as they would be I guess because it's you know a person making them yeah. they, there's always a, a bit of you know bespoke uh, sewing tailoring whatever to your to each individual piece which Absolutely. is pretty incredible yeah yeah yeah, I'm, in, I'm intrigued as to like you, you know, like you said, the, the, so many ideas, not enough time. Yeah. Like, do do you, you know, you said you've got this fascination for kind of these sort of strange and and odd kind of uh, curiosities from the past and so on. Has it become a bit of a you know a pastime to be researching more and more into into that world? Uh, yes, but but these things come, the ideas and the the um you hear about something and you start looking into it and then you think, I haven't got time to be doing that one now. I still haven't finished that one or that one. <laughs> um, so, you know, lockdown was brilliant because I managed to get a, a, a good few ideas out um, and into real life. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, there's just, there's never enough time and, and so, so many good resources to use. Um, and, I mean, the things that we've, we've come up with in the past as humans <laughs> um well I, d I don't know whether you've seen my vacanti ear mouse um yes do you, I have. Do you I remember the original from the 90s yeah i was going to yeah. ask you about that one yeah so that was um the it was we we designed this mouse and we grew cartilage under the skin to see if we could grow any uh sort of prosthetic ear and I don't think it's it's been useful as a, I mean we can't grow human ears on on mice um so it's it you know what why why on earth I suppose we do it on humans now we grow um or keep body parts alive don't we on on ourselves yeah, as, as yeah a, I, have, I have heard that um so I suppose it has been useful but but the idea of it bizarre isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty strange <laughs> it is pretty strange uh, i suppose one of the the, the huge benefits of being a, a vegan taxidermist who's you know got the ability to to create almost anything that, that comes into yours or perhaps the imaginations of of others from the past yeah um is that you could you 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 know the sky's the limit sort of thing is that was that kind of you know has that been one of the like you say the 
the challenges almost is <laughs> you you literally aren't bound by anything <laughs> yeah and and you're not you're not bound by by what in real life would be cruel um or or unethical <laughs> because you you're not really doing it <laughs> i'm not really um genetically engineering a mouse um i'm only <laughs> i'm only thinking about it <laughs> um yeah so i get a yeah um no animals will be harmed in it uh so you can enjoy the the sort of the funny value the um when i in a time when we were able to do real life markets people would walk past and and look horrified at my stall um so and 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 then on the second look you know quite often they'd start laughing because it's it's funny it's not it's not serious and it's not scary and it's not um it's not unethical and not really horrible either it's just it's just funny and um yeah, I get a lot of smiles from people, <laughs> which is nice. And and so far, what you know, what's the reaction been like with the from you know within the quote unquote sort of vegan community? Um, I th I think probably almost the same. You know, first a, a sort of intake of breath of horror, <laughs> and then and then uh, on the second look, sort of a, a laugh. Um, or you know there's a um just then curiosity um and and people look more into it um i think um these days so many different people are, are, are vegan that that it's not you know you've got lots of alternative people who who would have once filled their house with taxidermy but now can't justify it um, within themselves and so you know that that um that aesthetic still still you know they still enjoy looking at that sort of thing but but would like it to be ethical <laughs> so yeah different different reactions but but i haven't had any any um any truly horrified people yet <laughs> oh hello um hello 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 hello, hello? hello? You hear me yes, now? I can. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Oh, that was weird. Where did you go? <laughs> when when know. did you go? <laughs> I don't know where I went. That was all very strange. But I'm back now. <laughs> I was just saying, <laughs> I can yeah, I can totally understand that because there's there's such an element of like fun in the designs that I, you know I, I don't I don't think they're sort of you know um, they kind of. Uh, hint at the sort of the morbid and the curious but without necessarily going sort of all in and like you say it's not real so yeah. that so you don't you don't have that uh, you know that that sort of um grotesqueness to it you know and it's soft and squidgy <laughs> so you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. exactly. even if i throw it at you it's not gonna hurt you <laughs> <laughs> and so, so typically we're, we're you know in in normal times where where would you be you know set, selling your 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 um creations would it be you know have you targeted kind of vegan fairs and so on or is it has it been kind of more craft or you know where, where have you found that audience um well um most of my uh, markets i do around christmas time um and up until january um because i wasn't um vegan i was only vegetarian before then um, I hadn't, um, I'd applied to one vegan market and been unable to, to join um, because I wasn't vegan. Um, so most of my markets were um, markets such as Crafty Fox in London, which are sort of design make, designer maker markets. Or um, I 
um, used to do a market called the Satanic Flea Market, which um, yeah, <laughs> um, which is interesting because it's it's the sort of market that 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 does sell real bones, um, or you know, a lot of of well, I mean, the clues in the title, <laughs> but but at those sort of markets now, you do get vegans coming round. Um, you know, every there's vegans in all walks of life now, so. Um, and because my my stuff doesn't have to be for vegans and it doesn't have to be for non-vegans it is for everybody um, that I was um, I'd do just as well as a, 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 a design led makers market as a satanic flea market um, <laughs> with very different audiences <laughs> I think that's one of the things I absolutely love about it is the uh, the audiences, like you say, that can be completely varied. Yeah. I can imagine like uh, them being, you know, something a you know a child would want to want to have in their room, yeah. right up to uh, you know somebody who'd bought something else from the the satanic flea market. Absolutely, absolutely. So you mentioned like lockdown's been a kind of a you know as much as we could say this a, a, a sort of a blessing creatively in, in some respects insofar as you've you know had time and space to uh to to think and create and come up with new things and so on but uh, you know from from what i've seen on your your sort of your, your social media presence you've, you've been pretty busy in in supporting um elsewhere with your, your sort of sewing talent it'd be interesting to hear a little bit about the story and how you got into that kind of stuff yeah, so um, I don't I don't know whether you heard about it. There was um, it was a nationwide um, scrubs um, making group really that started on Facebook um, because of the lack of PPE and um, all sorts of um, nurses and care homes um, and doctors weren't able to. The, there were a lot of people who didn't used to have to wear scrubs. Um, for example, in care homes, they'd be, mm. normally would be okay to wear their own clothes. All of a sudden, we're having to wear scrubs and, and bag them up and wash them every, every night, um, you know, rather than their own clothes. And so there was a sudden lack of, of scrubs in the country. Um, and so we had a, a local group set up here, um, that um, a friend of mine set up and um, and she was gathering materials and then sending them out with patterns and, and we were all sitting at home sewing scrubs and scrubs caps and uh, scrubs uh, scrubs bags <laughs> um, and yeah um, I think over the whole country a huge amount of, of um, seamstresses came out of um out of retirement if you like <laughs> uh, just to to get the to get enough ppe made yeah well it's pretty amazing so yeah huge huge well done and oh well i only made a, a couple <laughs> but the, the the local group was was very productive overall um which was brilliant yeah yeah, it kept us occupied for the first bit too, <laughs> and made made you feel a bit sort of um, like you were able to help a little bit from home, which was good for the mental health as well. I think. Um, yeah. 100%. I was, I was going to ask you about that sort of the the skill set of you know sewing and this kind of almost, um, I suppose it in a way it feels like. You know, to me as a, as an outsider, you you um, hopefully you'll correct me, but it feels like there's a, a sort of a, if not a lost, a, a slightly dying or diminishing art. You know, in in younger generations and so on. Do you see that, or do you think is is there actually a pretty thriving community of of people, you know, sewing, crafting to this level? I think um, I think we're just about to get a resurgence in that, um, mostly because of fast fashion. Um, um, that's something else I'm, I'm working in <laughs> um, is fast fashion activism um, locally. Um, we um, 
we have a project called The Address Project, which um, talks about how um, women are um, affected more than um, most within the fast fashion industry and how, how bad it is for the environment. Um, and so the project was devised before lockdown. Um, and generally it's, um, we wanted to do lots of workshops to, to get people um, learning how to remake clothes or just repair clothes. Um, and we've moved a lot of that to online. Um, but certain things we haven't been able to do, like I think we'd have liked to have done some sewing machine workshops and things like that. Um, certainly I would have liked to have um, done that. But we're, we're going to hopefully get that going again after lockdown. Um, because the, the lost art of being able to repair your clothing means you go out and buy some more clothing that's, that's been badly made and the buttons will fall off. And you won't be able to repair that either. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we have gone through a, a time where it has been a lost art, but I I, th I see it um, coming through as as a new thing for young people to be doing, so they don't get lost in all the fast fashion. I think that that's huge, actually. And as you as you go down the the sort of the the, the learning journey of of veganism it often takes you down the road of the uh, the environmental impacts the human impacts on others the sort of intersectional kind of causes that uh that veganism touches and and certainly like you say fast fashion has has many victims along the way um so yeah i think it's an incredible cause that you, you're getting stuck into with that and um i just i just hope that sort of post lockdown we, we can you know capitalize on on people being able to get back together and perhaps learn learn this skill. Yeah, I mean it's 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 always going to be a um, a, a long journey forward because one thing quite often negates the other. For example, um, fabrics that that don't biodegrade, um, but also not animal products, is um, is something that the textile industry really needs to to get on board with um and and slowly there are there are better fabrics coming through um but until until they're they're more mainstream and more used by um by clothing producers it's um you know so it's, it's a long it's a long way ahead um, um and we need to demand it now <laughs> Do you think there's a bit of a um, a consumer education piece there as well in, in in regards not just to you know what we're buying but almost the what the true price of something should be? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And if we paid what it you know what it was really worth, um, we would look after it better. Um, you know, we'd buy buy once and buy it well, um, which doesn't suit. Um, consumerism does it <laughs> um, <laughs> so much <laughs> um, but it's what we should be doing um, and if we if we buy it once at the price it should be yeah we'd 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 sew the buttons back on not just spin it I, th I think this is the sort of the challenge across um, lots of lots of sectors isn't it is that there's there's not necessarily appetite for any company to do these things whilst there's not a profit in it. And, um, you know, us keeping things and repairing them can't be monetized no. as well. <laughs> or uh, Us not getting sick by, by eating poorly d doesn't help any pharmaceutical no. company. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, um, no, you're right. Absolutely. Um, if we, we just need to take care of everything, things that we've bought, things that we we see everything um, you know the environment we we just need to to be more careful are you ultimately optimistic 
about about you know what this this kind of lockdown this period of time this this you know very bizarre year that we've all lived through and 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 horrible for so many as well are you optimistic that that this can be a catalyst for that kind of uh, change you know you mentioned the the sewing communities there that are, that are you know perhaps being born out of out of the the ashes of 2020 if you like and there's so many other creative movements as well and uh you know perhaps the highlight the spotlight on veganism you know might be what well, i'm hoping is uh is a bit brighter um particularly because of the potential causes of this pandemic and some others uh, do you have a, a sense of optimism about that that sort of epiphany or yeah, awakening if I you think, like i think just a better lifestyle and and um the food comes into that um, working, not working to live, <laughs> um, you know, just um, everybody cutting their work hours down a bit and spending a bit more time going out into the into the into the world and breathing the air rather than you know work home work home work home. I think that's another thing that that will change um, as people realise what's important i think um this christmas we're all realizing that that perhaps the things that we were buying weren't the important thing about christmas <laughs> um as we can or or can't see family members you know we we're all going to yeah i'm very optimistic um and i think i'm very optimistic for the world uh, transitioning to, to veganism generally um, I think it, in in the future we'll, we'll view eating meat like like we would smoking um, me and my partner always say this um, that, that one day you know our grandkids will probably look at somebody in a restaurant and point at them and say look they're eating meat like you would have somebody smoking you know why are they doing that it's, um, yeah I think uh, yeah I'm very optimistic we've got a long way to go but I'm very optimistic yeah I, I, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that I think there is a uh I think you can't help but reflect on these things like, like the, the one you mentioned about Christmas Day is absolutely so so accurate i think you know we're, we're both of us in in sort of tier four yeah. for for uk listeners you'll know what that <laughs> that means um uh, and you know that that definitely puts into sharp focus doesn't it you know what what christmas is about you know as a as a time spent with others so yeah i think you're you're spot on and, and certainly the personally the the time spent with families definitely made me reevaluate lots of things in my life i'm not in any race to get back to sitting on trains for hours on end as part of a commute you know um so yeah i'm with you it'd be good to 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 to, to sort of as we approaching approaching time now but i I just definitely want to get into like some of your your favorite creations to date some of the most technically challenging which are the ones that you've you've really enjoyed making but have have posed a bit of a a technical challenge for you yeah i think um probably just the if i had to choose one it would be the human skull um just because the that's been with me since the beginning it's been through so many variations um I think the the thing with with human skulls is getting the hollowness of behind the eyes and the the sort of the empty spaces of these um, of my pieces. You know, the um, it, technically is a, a huge challenge, and also trying to get get details without them looking goofy. Um, it, it would be very easy to make sort of cartoon-like pieces when I really want to 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 get across the sort of the the ins and the outs 
and the negative spaces are just as important as as the the you know the the, the shape. Um, uh, so that one's been through maybe four or five variations on it, um, and so looking back at photos, I can I can track um, I can track its um, its history <laughs> um, from from the beginning. So I for me that piece um, is my most important. Um, uh, for strangeness, probably I, my um, lotus foot, which is um, uh, a recreation of a, of a lady's foot that's been through foot binding. Um, so learning, looking into the, the historical pictures of that um, as something else we did of people which was harmful uh, we thought it was beautiful um, in the same way as corsetry and and other strange things that we <laughs> we can form our body to <laughs> you've um, definitely done some very odd things yeah yeah and um, and that that intrigued me and um, I've Still hopeful. I'm going to make a um, an embroidered X-ray of a lotus foot. So that that might be oh, next, wow. maybe in January. <laughs> um, oh, we'll look out for yeah, that. Yeah, well, it was going to be first, but then then I I was too too keen to make it in real life. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I think. Very cool. So where would folks go to find out a little bit more about you? Maybe, uh, you know, pick up one of your incredible creations. Um, in real life at the moment, the, it's, um, it's a bit limited. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm online as Sutured Specimens. Um, that's Instagram and Facebook. Um, or my website, which links to all of it, which is www.suturedspecimens.co.uk. Um, yeah, um, I sell mostly on Etsy. Um, I'm about to start selling on a, a new website which um, is run by the same people who do the Satanic Flea Market. <laughs> so that's a, a new thing that's, that's just coming out now, um, which is uh, Baphomet. Um, yeah all over really <laughs> and then hopefully Very. next year in real life <laughs> at let's, let's let's hope so that would be uh i definitely want to see some of the, some of these in the flesh yeah. absolutely well hopefully tattoo conventions will be back on next year and vegan festivals and yeah. There's, there's literally okay, the more you the more you mention them, the more I think there are so many markets for the yeah. <laughs> people who'd be really interested in this this uh, these creations. They're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, Beth, thank you so much for your no, time. Thank you for Absolute pleasure me. chatting to you. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I, I definitely encourage anybody who hasn't checked out uh, Beth's creations uh, to to um, to check them out. Uh, there'll be links in the show notes as well. So. Uh, wherever you get your podcast if you if you take a look in the show notes you'll find some links in there um and, and definitely pick some up and hopefully in 2021 when we're maybe back out of our houses we can uh come and uh, meet you in the flesh yeah, and and, and pick up some of these amazing uh, amazing objects thank you have yourself a merry vegan christmas yourself a very vegan Christmas make the food plant-based from now on the animals will all be safe
Christmas time is all about.